0: Well, you know, I think that, again, you know, most folks may not necessarily be educated on like what coverages to specifically ask for. But what I will say is, you know, to your point, as you make changes to your home, you should make your insurance company aware for two reasons. Number one, like if you make improvements that could impact the overall replacement value of your home because, you know, Mm. you've added value to it. So you want to make make sure you're not underinsured.
1: Welcome to the Maryland Real Estate Influencers Podcast, where we explore the ins and outs of their local real estate market. Join us as we chat with industry experts, uncovering tips, trends, and strategies to help you navigate Maryland's real estate landscape. Get ready to elevate your real estate game. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Thank you so very much for tuning in to another episode of Maryland Real Estate Influencers podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Healy, and I have a treat for you today. I have Carl Tomlinson from Goosehead Insurance. And he's going to tell us a little bit more about himself and his business. I am super excited, um, especially because Kyle does so much marketing and we've all seen the videos out there. And so I'm very excited to have him with us. So Kyle, thank you so very much for finding time in your day to be on the podcast.
0: Oh, thanks for having me, Jennifer. Looking forward to chatting with you and sharing a little bit about our agency with our listeners today.
1: Absolutely. So, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, why Goosehead, and about what area uh, that you service?
0: Of course. So, um, I'm born and raised in in Harford County. My wife and three children. We currently live here today, and um, we're in the northern part of the county. And we uh, we have a small farm, and uh, it's been a great place to to raise our kids and. Um, You know, we've got some chickens and big gardens, so we we enjoy getting outside and and doing a lot of recreational activities, Um, and, you know, my my wife and I, we actually met after college. I was working at uh, T. Rowe Price at the time, and, um, you know, we graduated in 07, and then obviously in 08, you know, we had a big market collapse, and a lot of uh, middle management there got got terminated and that was kind of an eye-opening experience for me it's like hey you know we keep progressing here and move up the ladder and if the market shifts again what does that like do for my job stability at that point so at that at that time I started looking at other opportunities and um, both of my parents are in the insurance business and my my father really encouraged me to look at uh, State Farm uh, because we were in like the money management but it's still offered a, uh, stable position being in the insurance industry, you know, because in this state, if, if you drive a car, you have to have auto insurance or, you know, you get fines from the MBA and they'll suspend your tags and so forth. And if you have a mortgage, you know, your lender requires that you have home insurance. So, you know, the, the PNC side of our business provides a lot of like financial stability for you. And, and you know, provided an opportunity to own my own business. So you know, all those factors kind of influenced me to to look at at that opportunity. And and you know, State Farm was was really good to me. I, I um, learned a lot there. Owned an agency for for nine years and had a lot of great opportunities. Um, but I really felt like our growth got stagnant the last couple years. And and I think what what attributed to that was you know, we really only have one option, right? And we can't control certain things in the marketplace. And, and sometimes there's rate fluctuations. So like if carriers find that they're not profitable because they're paying out too much in claims or their expenses are high, whatever that, that factors into how, how they uh, price uh, home and auto insurance and so forth. And what we found was, you know, even though we were like top 5% in the country in, in production, we were still losing a lot of business because, you know, people were, were shopping around because of things that we we couldn't control. Um, and that really prompted me to, to look start looking at other opportunities. I was working with a business coach at the time, and and he had really encouraged me to, to look at the broker side of things just because, you know, when we're able to provide more options to, to people. We're able to retain those clients because, you know, they like working with you, the agent, and prefer to stick with you and that was the experience that i had at state farm as well but they can't justify paying the company itself and at the end of the day and and what i'm even seeing right now is like ultimately people just want great coverage great service and they don't really care who's stroking the claim check so um you know goosehead provides a lot of carrier options um, probably more than what most brokers have out there because we're such a large network nationally. Uh, we get exposure and we don't have um, like carrier guidelines that as far as like premiums are concerned that they want you to write with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really opens up a lot of uh, doors for us to to get uh, more resources for our clients and more options to to the point where You know, we're able to retain the bulk of the folks that we have, even though we may be moving them around between different carriers, depending on life changes, pricing changes with who they were with the prior point. So it's been it's been a great transition. And and now we're just looking to continue to expand on that.
1: That's wonderful. That is wonderful. And I'm wondering uh, when borrowers are needing homeowners insurance, like what you had just said when they're looking to call into a company and what does the typical borrower say, I need all, I need homeowner's insurance. um, When I'm specifically talking about a house and or automobile, and do they even know what questions to ask you to, to ask you or, or any representative that they're calling and how do you set yourself apart from others?
0: Sure. So you know, I would say m- most of the time that prompts these calls, it would either be rate changes, right? So, like, hey, they maybe got their renewal statement and they noticed an adjustment, and they're they're reaching out to find better options. Um, the other way, fo- the other reason folks may reach out, uh, particularly when they're they purchase a new vehicle um, or buying a new home, uh, obviously you have to get those those products insured, so that that would also prompt a phone call. And quite frankly, I don't think folks are really educated enough on the insurance uh, industry and coverages for two reasons. Number one, uh, you know, they may not necessarily care. They're kind of relying on their agent to to kind of guide them through their process. And that's why I think that's extre- extremely important because there's certainly a lot of companies that are marketing themselves as like, you know, but you can save money by calling us. But at the end of the day, like, what are you really saving if you're getting lower coverages or putting yourself in a worse off position when it comes time to file a claim and then you're paying out more money than what you would have staying where you were Mm -hmm. because they didn't take the time to educate you on the differences and so forth. Um, And, you know, the second reason would be like the only other thing that I see people mentioning is if they've had a certain claim experience that resulted in them wanting a specific coverage because they didn't have it before. or and they found out like, Hey, this wasn't covered. And, you know, I had this uh, sp- uh, particular circumstance and I was out of pocket or like, Hey, I did have this coverage because, you know, my agent recommended it and we had this claim and it was, you know, everything turned out really great. And I want to make sure I have this when I I move on to the next company. So
1: yeah, I think I think think that, that was the- me. Uh, so I, I uh, had it. A- my basement flooded in 2004, 2005, and I had a whole in-law suite in it. And the entire thing flooded uh, due to a lot of rain and it had a, um, the water was not properly, I don't know even the term to use, I apologize. It wasn't properly being pushed away from the house. And it all came inside after, I mean, I'm within like six months to a year after the in-law suite being added. And I will never forget walking downstairs and having ankle deep of water in a one bedroom in-law suite uh, that had brand spanking new. And I was devastated and I didn't know what to do. And I called my insurance company and didn't know what questions to ask. And I found out it wasn't covered. And I'm like, but why? What what did I do wrong? What questions didn't I ask? What didn't I tell you that this occurred? And it was just so overwhelming. So I love hearing this. And I know that this was me specifically many moons ago uh, that went through something like this. So what are the questions that people should be asking when they are looking to uh, purchase a house or in my case, when you make major renovations to the house and forget to tell your insurance company because it didn't occur to you in the midst of all that to even tell the insurance company my fault completely.
0: Well, you know, I think that again, you know, most folks may not necessarily be educated on like what coverages to specifically ask for. But what I will say is, you know, to your point, as you make changes to your home, you should make your insurance company aware for two reasons. Number one, like if you make improvements, that could impact the overall replacement value of your home because you know mm-hmm. you've added value to it. So yes. you want to make you want to make sure you're not underinsured. And then the second reason, you know, certain improvements could actually offer up like discount opportunities because you're improving your house to make it more secure in the event of a loss, like you know, updating your roof or replacing your sump pump or whatever the case may be. So. Yes any like time you're 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 making upgrades or or changes to your home i think it's important to to share that information with with the carrier with and you know your agent should be able to advise you on how that would impact your situation and the coverages that are needed um but going back to your original point you know water and sewer backups probably the most common claim that we get in this area because we do get like such like strong storms particularly mm-hmm. during this time of year when it's like the tropical storm season, and there's, you know, we have those hurricanes that are moving up up the coast, and they tend to bring a lot of rain and strong winds. And when the power goes out, like some pumps tend to fail. Um, And often, I'll either see people with very limited coverage or no coverage at all, because their advisor really didn't do a great job of educating them on on what's out there. And I kind of lean on like, our, you know, unfortunately, like folks in our industry, it's they're, they're trying to win business and sometimes they cut corners to to save people a little bit of money because, you know, a lot of folks are price driven. But, you know, at the end of the day, I find that I win business opportunities when they're paying a little bit more because they find value in what we're, we're sharing with them. And and they didn't realize that certain things wouldn't be covered under their plan. So, you know, I think that's what puts us in, in a good position and separates us from our, our competitors. And, um You know, at the end of the day, I think a couple of things are important. Number one, you know, we just already mentioned the water backup. Number two, you want to make sure that your your house has sufficient replacement value. And it's not like being covered for depreciated value. Same with contents, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, any like high value contents items, you should certainly share with your carrier because what you'll find uh, certain items could be limited. Uh, I would say the most common thing is probably jewelry, right? Most carriers do limit like jewelry coverage amount. And I know a lot of engagement rings are expensive. So, um, you know, you can cover those things up to the full value with like special riders and they'll even cover them for uh, like accidental loss. So like of us, your prong was loose and your stone fell out. Like certain things like that aren't covered under your home insurance plan. So high value items I think are important to mention. And then the last thing is just like your your liability exposure, right? That's probably the second most important thing on your plan next to the dwelling coverage amount, because if you get sued, this is like your lawsuit protection, right? Mm. And you want to make sure you're covering your net worth. And I see so many people that are underinsured, I'm s- mostly on the auto insurance side, you know, they have a half a million dollar house and they only have $30,000 in coverage if they had a car accident. I mean, that's not going to go a long way if somebody gets injured and like, then you're again, you save money, but you are going to be out of pocket so much more if you, if you badly hurt somebody uh, in a car accident. So again, I just think it's important to make sure that you have a good advisor. That's really going to educate you and kind of go through the line items. If you're not getting that experience when you're going through a quote and the, and they're just kind of like throwing prices at you, I I, I wouldn't really trust that,
1: that mm. person
0: in my Yeah.
1: Opinion. And then how, how does this process look when a client calls you and calls you in and wants to get a quote for, for uh, homeowner's insurance will say, how does that look when they call you? What are the processes and the questions that you're opening their mind to that they may just be thinking they call you, they get a number, they're on their way. How are you showing them and asking these questions for them to open their mind up?
0: Right. So you know, on our initial phone call, it's more of like an intake, right? Because I want to try to get as much information about the situation as possible. So Mm -hmm. it's really a lot of like data gathering and then me asking questions, you know, particularly about the home. I'm doing research too. Like I'm pulling their house up and trying to locate photos so I can see the interior and kind of what's going on there so we can properly make sure it's covered for replacement value. Uh, I'll pull it up on the tax assessment site too. Just it's really a lot of like data gathering. And then, you know, on my side, I'm a broker. So I'm like shopping through different carriers and making sure that we're finding the best coverage and pricing options for them. Um, and then once I do that, then I'll follow back up with a, the with a second call. And that's when we're going to go through it line by line. Just make sure that I'm like confirming all the specs that I was able to see. And in case I miss something, you know, they're able to share that information with me and we can adjust accordingly. And then from there, then I'll go through the coverages, how that impacts them in the event of a claim, why I think like these things are important. I'll ask questions about like, you know, high value items when we're going over personal property. And, you know, when we're talking about liability, we're talking about their net worth and, you know, making sure that we're protecting all their assets. And we may even bring up like an umbrella, which is you know probably the most overlooked plan out there because it's so inexpensive and you get a large amount of coverage to protect your, your uh, net worth if you ever got sued for anything. Um, so like, you know, I, I think that's, it's kind of like a two-step approach, if you will. It's more of like a a fact finding data gathering on the initial phone call. Um, and then, you know, I'm quick to turn that around. And then, you know, at that point, then I go back through present, confirm specs and and kind of go over coverages and make sure they're comfortable with everything. And if, if it makes sense, then we're ready to move forward at that point.
1: Okay. Now, are you following up with your uh, borrowers or I'm sorry, your clients uh, every year or two or three? At, at what period of time do you follow up with them uh, to see if things have changed or is it up to them to reach out to you?
0: No. So, I mean, we're constantly like we're sending communications out probably more than, you know, a couple of times a year just to like check in. and Like this time of year, it's like, hey, it's, it's tropical storm season. Um, you know, we want to make sure sh- we've probably mentioned this before about water backup and flood insurance. If you want more information about your current plan, you know, f- reach out to us. We're happy to schedule a call, I'll go over those details and so forth. So we're constantly sending communications out to people. It really just kind of depends on the season. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What kind of risks are out there? Like, for example, uh, wintertime, right? We're worried about free- frozen pipes. So we're sending oh, out yes. emails like, hey, make sure you turn off your spigots outside, shut the water off, you know, drain them out so you don't have a frozen pipe when you go to turn it back on in the spring. Um, So we're trying to do some preventative contacts, but then also like, you know, that may prompt a phone call or a scheduled meeting or whatever, just to go through their plan and make sure they have the right coverages in place too. So I think that's important.
1: Oh, most definitely, most definitely. Especially for people like myself that forget to, update y'all when I, you know, added in an in-law suite. Um, just didn't come to mind in that time frame. Um And so I would like to also discuss with you about the different trends that you're seeing in your business at this time. And I know there's a lot of craziness going on in all of our industries. So I'd like to speak about the uh, trends that you're seeing in the insurance business world at this time.
0: Sure. So You know, I've in this in this day and age, you know, inflation has impacted a lot of different businesses in in various ways. And, And what we're seeing in our industry is, you know, there's kind of like a lag, if you will, because, you know, the carriers put rates together based off of projected claim volume. Right. So when claim volume increases, which it has over the last year, because it's costing more to repair things like, you know, material costs have gone up. So it's more expensive to, to um, rebuild a home than it was two years ago, or, you know, on the auto side, there's supply chain issues, which is delaying car repairs. And now people are in rental rental cars longer, or, and it's more expensive to get these materials and so forth um, because of the demand. So, you know, all those factors are influencing like carriers right now, because in the past year, they've, have brought in less premiums than what they've paid out and you know ironically enough most carriers actually try to operate at like either like a hundred percent or even at a loss if you will uh and they're anticipating to make that up in their investments meaning like if they brought in a hundred dollars they would expect to pay out either another hundred dollars in claims or a hundred and two dollars in claims um, and the way that they make up that difference and become profitable is they're, they've they invested that $100 and hope to make that up in interest to cover th- those losses and pay their employees and so forth. And I don't think a lot of people realize that mm-hmm. um, our industry is so regulated. And I, I do hear grumblings like, oh, you know, I didn't have a claim, like, and, but my rate's going up. But like, that's not necessarily what influences your rate. It's, you know, they kind of narrow it down by zip codes so they can oh, price okay. it by the territory, if you will, they may take like a couple of zip codes into a pocket. And it's like, hey, this is the claim volume that we're seeing in this specific area, and based off of what premium we brought in versus what we've paid out, that influences the base rate in that area for both, you know, home and auto insurance. Okay. Um, hey. And you know, again, in the last year, they've been paying out a lot more, and we're definitely seeing rates go up uh, across the board with all companies. And that's all public information because they all have to file rate adjustments with the state and get those rate adjustments approved before they can pass those down to the consumers. Um, so when they file with the state, every every other competitor that's out there knows what what they're doing. It can see that information. So again, it's public knowledge for you and and us. Um, but you know, with that being said, we're also seeing carriers like tighten guidelines too because. You know, maybe there's are certain areas that they're really not profitable in, like on the coast. Um, for example, we just had Hurricane Ida come through and, you know, maybe folks didn't have flood insurance or water backup and they were maybe going to try to call and get something in place last minute. Well, carriers were already putting moratoriums on that kind of stuff and wouldn't allow it until after the fact. Um, and you know that storm obviously causes a lot of damage, and that it's going to influence rates in those areas. And some carriers may even pull out. Um, mm. You know, I mentioned State Farm earlier; um, they just pulled out of California altogether on the homeowner side because they've been losing so much money due to wildfires. So wow. they don't even write. They don't even write property insurance out there anymore. They haven't written that in Florida, in other areas. So, like again, like being. A captive agent like that in that marketplace, I can't even imagine how devastating that would be to those folks' business. But you know, as a broker, if that happens with one of my carriers, that's okay because I've got so many other carriers that are gonna still be right in business in that area and my clients that may suffer because they were with that particular one that's pulling out, you know, they still want to work with me. We just move them to somebody else. So that, again, cool. that just puts us in a really good position. But, you know, carrier guidelines are certainly tightening we're seeing rates get impacted by these losses and until like things start to curb a little bit you know we could see those trends continue but i think most carriers are pretty smart and they're they're predicting future values based off of like past loss trends and most of them try to get ahead of the game and and keep things more stable at least the bigger and, and better ones from what we see
1: i like that I, I I appreciate the the side of a broker. I was a broker myself for ten years, and I've always thought it, how valuable it was. And I so love the idea of you being a broker and how you're able to maneuver through so many different carriers and how what a benefit that would be to your clientele. Absolutely, that's excellent. Um, I do have a question since you brought up uh, the guideline changes in your industry. Um, and this is a question that I have personally. So my children are adults now, um, but they're all under 20. Well, still under 25 by the skin of their teeth. Um, and I still all have them on my auto insurance policy to help them and give them cheaper discounts. Am I doing them an injustice by not not having them on their own policy to to start getting, if you will, credit for having their own policy? will their policies be increased as they hit cuz they were the goal was for them to stay on mine until they're that 25 that magic age that uh insurance companies you know well, they won't ding them at least in my knowledge for being a, a a child um and then their rate should get better so that's what our thought process was are we off by doing what we're doing uh not
0: necessarily you know i think you know again there would be a couple like questions I would ask to make sure we're doing the the right thing by, by them and you. So, um, you know, to answer your original question, like, yes, I think children will benefit by staying on their parents' plans because, you know, a lot of young kids probably may not own a home. So they may benefit by like the multi-line discounts because their parents do, Mm -hmm. and that helps reduce their costs. And then, you know, the fact that there's multiple cars on the plan that will also help reduce their costs because you get a multi-car discount. Um, But, you know, going beyond that, I think it's also important that we're rating appropriately for the right risk and meaning like Mm. um, sometimes I see families where the child may live in a different state altogether. They don't even live with their parents. It's not their primary residence. Um, but they're still staying on their parents' plan. And they may even be in the same state, but they don't necessarily live there. I mean, that could potentially be a denial for a claim because, you know, you're basically gaining the insurance company to get better pricing when they should have been probably taking in more premium because you live, let's say, in a city which has higher rates um, than maybe in the surrounding county areas. Mm, um, okay. And your primary residence is down there and you may be renting and maybe you don't even uh, you own the car in your personal name, too. So like those kind of things, I would say, like, you know, they probably should have their own plan because they don't live at home and but they're on their parents plan and claiming that as a primary residence when it's actually not. And uh, and their parents have no insurable interest in the car because they're the titled owner. So I see that every now and then. You know, am I saying they're going to get caught up? Maybe not. But is it a potential that a claim could get denied? Absolutely. So that's kind of the risk that you take in that situation.
1: Thank you. Thank you for that. I so appreciate that. Um, Now I know we have just about two minutes left in the uh, podcast, but I really want to find out from you about the goals that you have for you and your team as we exit 2023 and into 2024.
0: Sure. So. I mean, I'm certainly like looking at like short term and then long term goals. So real quick, I, you know, our short term goals, we we just want to ex- continue to expand our team. Um, you know, we've had a lot of success and have really grown like a strong market presence in this area. And I feel like there's still a lot of untapped opportunity and and people that we know that we just and we we just don't have as strong of relationships because we can't like, you know, there's only so much time in the day. So we can't like constantly stay in front of all the people that we would like to, to be able to help their clients and support their businesses and so forth. Um, so I think, you know, as we increase our team, we'll be able to, to meet those goals and expectations and then ultimately continue to grow our business. But, you know, our agency is licensed in, in five different States and and then, you know, as a, as Goosehead as a whole, we can write business in nationally anywhere. Um, So I would like to see, you know, long term, I would love to have agents in all the states that we're licensed in and just kind of like having like sub agencies, if you will, kind of all over the place. And, you know, having team leaders from our agency running those opportunities and giving more like leadership roles and just expanding our network in that regard. So that's kind of like the long term vision that I have for us.
1: I love that. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, if somebody's listening to this pod or when they listen to this podcast and they're interested in speaking with you, how could they get a hold of you and your team?
0: Sure. So they can reach out to me on my direct line. Uh, my number is 443 836 5086. Or they could email me directly at kyle.tomlinson at goosehead.com.
1: Thank you. And I think I'm going to send you my information so you can look over my stuff with my kids. I do appreciate that. Of course. And absolutely. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And to the listeners, thank you so very much for tuning in. I am going to ask you two more things. One, take a moment and forward this podcast to two of your colleagues that would find it beneficial and that their clients would find what Carl is saying is being beneficial. And number two, whichever podcast platform that you're listening to us on, please take a moment and provide us with an honest review of our podcast today. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Until next time, have a great day, y'all. Thank you for joining the Maryland Real Estate Influencers Podcast. We'd like to ask you two favors. Number one, forward this podcast to three of your favorite realtor friends. They'll thank you for it, and I'll thank you for it, too. Number two, we'd love reviews. It helps get the word out.